Satan, or in Hebrew, Hasatan, uh, appear in the Jewish scriptures, it, 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 maybe without name and, and by name? When do we first see or hear of what we now, the, the figure, the concept we now call Satan? That's such a good question, because when I started exploring stories, I was thinking, how did this figure originate? I mean, where did it come from? Who invented that? Um, and I assumed that, that you know, that you would think that uh, the story of Adam and Eve might find the figure of Satan present in the form of the serpent. But I realized as soon as I began to read the stories that there is no mention of a figure like an evil being in the Garden of Eden. The serpent is simply a serpent. And, however, in the Hebrew Bible, there are mentions of not a personal figure called Satan, Hasatan, but it comes from the verb uh, S-T-N in, in English, which means to obstruct, to oppose. And the Satan originally was not seen as an right. evil in, in the in, in the Hebrew in the ancient Hebrew the, 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 the adversary or to oppose. Yes, but the, but the figure who is sometimes spoken of as as being oppositional was never oppositional to the Lord. In fact, the, this figure was originally seen as one of the divine court, one of the Lord's um, malachim, right? One of the messengers, one of the sons of God, he would be called one of the B'nai Elohim. And, and sometimes uh, there are stories in which the Lord sends one of his angels to stop a human being from some kind of activity. And then he's talked at, he's spoken of as an oppositional being. You can say that he, he acts in the, in the role of a Satan, but there's not yet a single figure associated with that. Right. So my understanding from reading your work is that the first time that the figure of Hasatan or the adversary in Hebrew, the opposer, really is named as such is in the book of Job, which I think is around uh, maybe 650, 700 before the Common Era. Do I have that right? Yes, I think that is right. I mean, before that, in the book of Zechariah and also in the book of Numbers, there is a figure, an angelic figure, who blocks a human being from doing something. But, uh, but as one writer said, if, if the path is wrong, an obstruction, a block, can be good. So the Lord sends an angel to prevent someone from doing something that would have destroyed that person. Right, and I think for a lot of our, for, pardon the interruption, for a lot of our uh, Hasidic listeners, for those that have a consciousness around the, the, the mystical side of, of, of Jewish thought, this is actually something very core to our belief, the idea that there are, there are concealed blessings often in suffering. And it was fascinating to me in reading your work and the work of, of others on this topic to understand that prior to right before the Christian period, it, it seems that the figure of, of Hasatan in particular or, or different forms of a Satan, of an obstructionist, often play a positive role in kind of challenging and, and getting you to understand as, as an agent in, in, in the Old Testament, whether it be uh, Job or others, to, to kind of get to a deeper meaning or a deeper relationship with God. Yes, indeed. This this figure, as you suggest, Dove, is is very subordinate to the Lord, and he's under under the orders of the divine commander. He never acts on his own in these early stories. In the book of Job, too, as you know, um, he has to ask permission. He, oh, and he's, he's, you might say, a devil's advocate, because, you know, when the Lord says, have you considered my servant Job? What an extraordinarily pious man. Then this angel says, well, yes, but have you tested him? So this is an adversarial role. But it's not against God. He has to ask permission to afflict Job, to, to send obstacles in order to test his faith. And these these satanic figures, or these 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 
uh, satans that 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 show up in in the Book of Job and, and elsewhere prior to the Christian era and in our Jewish scriptures is is opposing another human, right? Not not opposing God, like you're saying, it is one of one of God's malachim, one of one of God's angels. Yes, but there's there's another passage in the Book of Chronicles which speaks actually about how King David decided to do a census of the, the people and the tribes for two reasons, for taxation and for military conscription. And many people were horrified that the king would do this thing. They thought it was very wrong. So one of the accounts says the Lord incited David to uh, ask for a census. Another version in Chronicles says the Satan incited, and it, the incite is is the verb from which the name comes. So there isn't. Uh, so this figure there is is invoked to account for King David doing something evil for which he's sorely punished. Now, if we're moving forward a little bit. Professor Pagels in the forward in the chronology. So we've been kind of been early in the first millennium before before the common era, and we move to the middle of that millennium, if five six hundred BCE. The the Jewish people um, are in 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 not exile. We're we're in we're in Babylon, right? We're we're subject yes. to per, Persian rule, and. If I understand some of the literature correctly, is that not where is that the first time you start to really see the idea of kind of the the oppositional Satan, the um, kind of influenced by, by Zoroastrianism? But is that is that is that where you start to see Satan on a somewhat similar playing field as God? That I think is what many people speculate. We don't really know. But certainly there are adversarial figures in other traditions, Egyptian, uh, Babylonian, and so forth. And so it may come as influence from some of those other traditions as well. To what extent, before we get into the, really the meat of this, which I think, it, which is really also the, the meat of your scholarship and in this wonderful book, The Origin of Satan, which I recommend to anybody who's interested in the history of religion and the unfortunate apositional circumstance between, uh, between the early Christians and, and the Jewish people out of which that movement was born. Uh, there's, before we get there, I think to put a, to put kind of a pin in this, for our Jewish listeners, is it fair to say that the modern conception of Satan as an adversary to God is a non-Jewish concept? It, yes, I would think that's right. I mean, we do see about 2,000 years ago um, sources that involve sectarian Jewish groups, the Essenes uh, who lived at Qumran and gathered the Dead Sea Scrolls, the followers of Jesus of Nazareth. These were unusual groups. And at that time, you see some of them begin to speak of of the Satan. Um, the Dead Sea Scrolls, the community scroll, speaks about uh, the Prince of Darkness, uh, how the Satan tries to deceive even the people of Israel. And you see this adversarial figure in some of the Dead Sea Scrolls, and you see them at the same time in some of the the Jewish groups that surrounded Jesus of Nazareth. We're going to, after the break, get into the Essenes, the followers of Jesus of Nazareth in this period. We're here with Professor Elaine Pagels, one of the greatest biblical scholars of our time. She's a professor of religion at Princeton University, the author of The Origin of Satan, How Christians Demonized Jews, Pagans, and Heretics. We will be right back on equal footing. If you want to participate and give us your thoughts on this complex and dark subject, you can call in live to 718 718- Three zero three nine zero nine zero. That's seven one eight three zero three ninety ninety to be live on the air. Please be patient. I was snowed in 
So I'm not able to be in studio tonight in Brooklyn, as usual, doing this from home. So be patient with our wonderful radio engineer. So he can uh, catch you on the board there, 718-303-9090. If you want to text or WhatsApp in a question or comment to Professor Pagels on this Origin of Satan show, uh, text, don't call, text or WhatsApp to 917-428-4062. Again, for text, comments, and questions, 917-428-4062. Six two. We'll be right back. Equal footing with Dove Tuzman is brought to you in part by Mechanical Art. Capital, Mechanical Art Capital. Check it out online at mechanicalartcapital.com or go into your iPhone or Android app store and type in those three words separated, Mechanical Art Capital. What does Mechanical Art Capital or Mac do? They offer you quick, often one-day turnaround, max 48 hours, financing, cash, for your watches. Yes, if you're a watch collector or a watch dealer anywhere in the world, you can get quick financing without actually having to sell your watches overnight or in two days. This is an important time of year to have extra cash in your pocket. So unlock the cash value of your collection or inventory through Mechanical Art Capital's buyback contracts. Download the Mechanical Art Capital app from your iOS or Android app store. You get your watches or your watch collection appraised free of charge, which you can use for insurance or other purposes. The app will also show you how to easily raise cash from the watches you had appraised. If you don't want to do it the technology way, you can call and talk to an operator live who can help you through it. 833 833- Two zero nine zero nine seven two for more information on Mechanical Art Capital's buyback programs for watches. Operators are standing by. That's eight three three two zero nine zero nine seven two. I've been caught, but I'm keeping on, keeping on I've been told. All right, we're talking about Satan. Ha-Satan, in Hebrew, the adversary, the opposer in our Jewish faith. Christianity, though, Professor Pagels, takes a different view. They kind of take their lead from the Essenes. First of all, can you explain to our lay listeners, and to me, who are the Essenes, when do they live, and how are they kind of connected on this subject to the early Christians? So far as we know, and this is limited, uh, we call them Essenes from the word Hasidim. They called themselves the Holy Ones. These were a group of devout Jews who separated from other Jews at the time when Romans were ruling Israel um, because they, they were very deeply upset that many of the priestly classes and others would collaborate with the Romans. And these were people who thought no one but the Lord should rule Israel. And they withdrew from ordinary society and set up a uh, a special community out in the desert. The Dead Sea Scrolls are the library that they collected there of biblical texts. And they had a sense that Israel was now divided between people who really served the Lord. They thought that was they themselves and their community. And people who had collaborated with the evil ones, with the Romans. So they spoke about how the Satan has taken over part of Israel. And they are loyal to the Lord. Uh, They saw Israel as a community divided. Followers of Jesus Similarly, were a sect like that, following the village rabbi, Jesus of Nazareth, um, and there was great opposition to this figure as well. And so followers of Jesus of Nazareth, like the Essenes, 
said, we are God's people. We are the righteous people. Our opponents are on the, the, the other side. They've gone over to evil. So there was both of these groups, the Essenes and followers of Jesus, saw the Jewish community as divided between God's people and people following the evil one. And that's where they came to originate these stories. I, I find that fascinating, and I really encourage listeners to study this subject. There are wonderful scholars. I think our guest tonight is the most preeminent scholar in this in this field. But there's a lot of work that's been done, particularly since the discovery of the of the uh, of the Dead Sea Scrolls. We talked about the Nag Hammadi Scrolls, which are early Christian texts. The Dead Sea Scrolls, which include the Book of Enoch, the Book of uh, Jubilees, that talk about these early movements uh, views. Uh, Professor Pagel's book, The Origin of Satan, walks through this whole timeline um, quite simply. probably does a much better job than I'm doing on the air trying to summarize it. But Professor Pagel's, is this the first time when around the Essenes, uh, which I, I thought that description etymologically fascinating, tied into uh, kind of the modern uh, use of the word Hasidim, the Essenes and the early Christians, they are Jewish. At the, at the, at the, in the earliest form of, the, of certainly the Essenes, uh, almost all, but the, the Christians in, in, in the earliest part of the movement are almost entirely Jewish. And these movements begin to demonize or ascribe evil in some sort of cosmological way, in a grand way of good fighting evil to anybody that doesn't believe what they believe. And, and, this is something we seem to take for granted now. You know, when George W. Bush called whatever the, the, the what was the axis of evil after the 9-11 attacks, it, we take it for granted that we call our, our worst enemies evil. But it seems that this is the first time in history, or at least in Abrahamic history, where you have a group really assigning a cosmological evil to anybody that thinks differently than them. Is that, is that, is that fair? As far as I know, certainly among Jewish groups, because, you know, the Lord is one, right? There's only one. And yet, in, in groups of Jews that are intensely divided, uh, they then envisioned the supernatural world, as you said, Dove, that, that the Lord is contending against a, an evil antagonist. And, and then I realized, wait a minute, people who actually take the Satan seriously, whether, whether we're talking 2,000 years ago or today, they say, Satan's trying to take over this country, right? But they're not thinking of some supernatural battle up there in the stratosphere. They can tell you, they're thinking of what's going on down here on Earth. They can give you names and addresses. So if you talk about a divided cosmology between God and an evil force, they're also seeing down here there are Satan's people and they're God's people, and, and they're oppositional. Now, I found fascinating reading, reading your book, the Origin, of, the Origin of Satan, to see how in the early Christian movement, how much the, the, the kind of satanic references evolve and, and, and start in, in the earliest writings, uh, or the earliest Gospels of Mark and Matthew, it seems to be relatively muted. But by the time you get to those later Christian Gospels of, of Luke and John, it, it seems like there's uh, a commitment to talking about everything in the context of God and Satan. And this, this this cosmological battle, even when it's like very mundane. So everybody that in the Jesus story tries to, you know, tempt Jesus or challenge Jesus is like overtaken by satanic influence. Where it seems like in the earlier writings, in the er, right after after this this figure that we call Jesus his death, there's there's less of of that. It it, it feels like that it, it evolves. What's going on? Why? Why is there this movement, this kind of hardening of position in what is often thought of as a gospel of love, of this, this prophet's, uh, his, his views, and instead it seems to be, to some extent, and sorry to, to say it this way, kind of a gospel of hate. Well, you're right. You know, I, I started this work as a joke, um, calling it the social history of Satan. I thought, how can a invisible being have a social history? But actually, it's a history of groups in conflict. So, for example, with the Essenes, they thought, well, all of those Jews in Jerusalem 
um, who are collaborating with the Romans, who are cooperating with them, are are working against Israel, and they were hoping for either an apocalyptic transformation of the world in which the Lord would send angels to destroy the Romans, or they would perhaps fight them themselves. Um, And followers of Jesus were also isolated by other Jews who thought that he was some kind of a heretic, uh, a false teacher. So when, when they talk about the Satan against the Lord, they're really talking about groups against other groups. That is, groups that are originally one group, like the Jewish community, was then split um, in the view of Jesus' followers because some people followed him and some people said, no, this is, this is evil. And it, it so in, like in, in, go ahead. demonized enemies. Right, the demonization of enemies. is, And you call it in the book often the intimate enemy, the enemy from, from within, kind of the, there's special vitriol in the Christian movement for the, for other Jews. And in fact, of course, the Christian movement started as almost entirely Jews. And so you, you often call it the intimate enemy, which really resonated with me and is, and is quite tragic. And I love this social history of Satan, the way of saying that, like the, the history of increasing conflict between, you know, groups representing Jesus' followers and their, and their opposition. Professor, I think for a lot of listeners, it will, it will come as if not a surprise, and a, uh, then at least it'll tweak what our received understanding is to, to understand what's going on within these, I don't know, what is it, 40 or 50 years between the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of John in the Christian tradition. And it really is a movement, it's, it's a transition from a movement that's almost entirely comprised of Jews who yes. uh, are following this 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 particular rabbi, if you will, uh, named Jesus. And then um, by the end, by the time you get to 100 years of common era, the book of John, th- that that gospel is referring to Jews very much as the other. It constantly yes. refers to the Jews, even though Jesus, of course, was a Jew, as were almost all of his original followers. What what happened? How did that movement, Yeah, just, what, what happened over those 50 years? I tell you what happened just astonished me. I was looking for how did these stories get started and how did they change? And I thought, well, how does, how does, if, if we're talking about groups in conflict and I start reading the earliest story about Jesus of Nazareth, I think, well, who will be pictured on, on the side of the Lord? Well, if you happen to be a follower of Jesus, they would say, well, this, this rabbi and his followers were on the Lord's side and their opposition, uh, the people who killed him, which would have been certain members of the Jewish elite who turned him over to the Romans to be crucified, and the Romans. The Romans, those would be the evil people, right? That's what I expected to find. It's not what I found at all. I was completely shocked because I started to read these Gospels and, of course, as predicted, they see a conflict between the Spirit of God and the Satan, supernatural conflict, but they see Jesus and his followers, you know, inspired by the Spirit of God, and they talk about the enemies who who brought about his death. But what shocked me was that they didn't, associate the enemies, the Satan, with the Romans who crucified and killed Jesus of Nazareth. That's what I expected they would say. They didn't say that. They said completely counter to historical truth that the people who were really responsible for that execution were the Jewish people. And that doesn't make any sense. And I, and I want to put, I want to pause it because we're going to take our next, our next break. But this, if, if there, if you need another reason to pick up the origin of Satan, this, this extraordinary academic work by Professor Elaine Pagels from Princeton University is here joining us tonight on Equal Footing. It would be that. It is understanding how that narrative of that the Jews killed Jesus is a created 
unhistorical or historically fallacious narrative. And you walk through that really blow by blow, uh, writing by writing, gospel by gospel. We'll be back with Professor Elaine Pagels. We'll come back after the break talking about the origin of Satan, how the early Christians demonized Jews, pagans, and heretics. We'll be right back. Footing with Dove Tusman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. I've been caught. You're back on equal footing. We're talking about the origin of or even the creation of the modern concept of Satan and how that's used to demonize the other. Professor Pagels, before the break, we, we tease at this uh, really essential subject. It, it's affected millennia of relations uh, between uh, Christians and not only Jews, but, but all non-Christians, but particularly Jews. And it's even woven its way tragically and horrifically into um, pogroms and persecutions and, 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 of course, the Holocaust. And that is this concept that the Jews killed Jesus. And you walk through uh, this in a pretty detailed way. Historically, and, of course, Pontius Pilate, who, for those that don't know, is the, the Roman, I guess it was the governor, is that the right term? The, the Roman kind of administrator um, in, in, that, uh, in that area at the time. Um, was the one who who sent the soldiers to crucify, but the the story evolved to the gospel that the that he was um, kind of prodded or almost forced effectively by by the Pharisees and the other uh, Jewish elite at the time. Is this is this historically accurate uh, based on on the circumstantial and even contemporaneous evidence that that exists? Well. Dove, it's it's stunning. I was utterly shocked to realize what the story was. My own background is nominally Protestant, although my father, a scientist, had given up that kind of religion. Um, but I I wanted to understand what happened. Uh, how did this movement start? The story of Jesus is is as I said, it's about a village rabbi who is preaching, not too unlike other people of the time, about the coming of God's kingdom, the end of time, Um, and he was captured and crucified by the Romans because he, he was, became a very popular figure in Judea at the time, and they were afraid that he was going to increase demonstrations against Roman power, and so they arrested him. Um, and they were helped by some of the chief priests who were very concerned that Jesus was creating public demonstrations in Jerusalem. People were saying he was the king of Israel. And, uh, and that, that was starting a lot of political unrest, especially at a time of Passover when the, the holy city was crowded with pilgrims. So some of the people in the temple, when he went in and created a disturbance there. They said, we have to get rid of this man. He's causing trouble. And this is going to, the Romans are going to come in and kill our people. So the Jewish council was doing its job. The council had the responsibility of keeping peace in Jerusalem and under the Romans. And if they hadn't done that, they would have been out of, out of their positions. So they, they got rid of people who were causing public demonstrations. And, uh, and a couple of people had Jesus turned over to the Roman governor, procurator. 
he was the only one who could order execution, and he was accused of treason against Rome. And the governor, uh, who cared very little about executing any Jews accused of sedition against Rome, he, he had killed thousands of them. Um, he just sent Jesus off to be crucified. But the followers of Jesus couldn't tolerate that story because after his death and the end of the, the Jewish war against Rome, when the Romans had just destroyed the temple and the city of Jerusalem and were garrisoned in Jerusalem themselves, Jesus' and followers... Sorry, sorry for the interruption, yeah. just, just to, to remind uh, listeners. So now we're talking about like... 66, 70 of the Common Era, which is that, that war in Jerusalem, the, the, the Jewish groups rise up against Rome, the destruction of, of, uh, of, the, of the temple, the Second Temple, and there's um, an execution of certain high priests and, and so forth. This is like, what, 35 years or 30 years after, after the death of the figure we call Jesus. Yes. Many, many pious Jews had been killed for insurrection against Rome, and the Essenes actually were slaughtered in their camp in the year 70 after that war, because they were also suspected of plotting against Rome, which they might well have done. Uh, and, and Jesus was accused of the same thing. So like thousands of others, he was executed. What's stunning, though, is that his followers in the wake of that war, the Romans were worried anybody who looks like he's going to be against Rome would immediately be arrested and killed. And followers of Jesus, they'd say, well, look, they're followers of a seditionist. It's sort of like saying you're a follower of Osama bin Laden, and therefore we know what your politics are, so we're going to take care of you too. And so yeah, you point they, out in your you point out in your in your uh, in your scholarship that this therefore the the narrative changes pretty significantly where the they they have to kind of point to the enemies of Rome in that period the the, the Jews as being the source of of Jesus' execution instead of what was you know patently true or obvious historically that that you had you know that Pontius Pilate. Uh, the Roman uh, prefect or what have you, um, not only executed Jesus, but most likely was also kind of um, the enforcer across anything that looked like sedition, as you said. So it was like a changing of the narrative, right, from uh, from the 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 Romans uh, killed Jesus to the Jews who killed Jesus, because of course they had to be careful now that the Romans had won the war uh, not to get on the wrong side. Yes, I mean, only Romans could crucify somebody, and no Jews would kill people for being against Rome. It was the Romans who did it. But the narrative that they tell in the later stories was a, a defensive move because they were being sought down. They were all of the leaders of, of the movement that followed Jesus of Nazareth. One was beheaded, another was crucified, a third one was stoned to death in Jerusalem. It was very dangerous to be a follower of Jesus because people thought they were all insurrectionists. And so to to try to counter that narrative, they tell the story of Jesus' death as if the Romans didn't want him dead, which they did, and that somehow the Jewish people had protested enough to cause a crucifixion. This is totally counterfactual, and everyone knows it who knows the history. But it has... What I discovered, I thought I was looking at old folk tales about Satan, and suddenly it landed me in the real world, and it was horrifying to realize that that trope, the Jews killed Jesus, is completely false. And, and it was created defensively by people being persecuted themselves. But after Christians became powerful in the Roman Empire, that's 300 years later, when an emperor gets converted about 300 CE, then it, they legislated against Jews. And as before one way we, to, sorry for the interruption. Before we get to the later periods where where this demonization uh, goes from Jews to to, to pagans to, to heretics, and heretics, and we will get there. It, I think it's important to kind of reconnect to to where we started. How did this connect to Satan? Because the the words that are being used in referencing 
that the Jews killed Jesus, which we know is historically false, uh, is is increasingly, especially when you get up to like the later Gospel of John, for example, is really using the language of Satan. Is it not? So now it's not only the Jews killed Satan, but these these um, this satanic group, if you will. Uh, yes. There's a there's a, a demonization of this group um, that is effectively dehumanizing. Yes, the first the first non-Jewish writer of one of the stories about Jesus is Luke. And he says the Satan entered into the betrayer who betrayed Jesus and the people who were against him were all inspired by the Satan. And by the time you get to John's Gospel, it isn't just that you're seeing the stories changed off. You're seeing more and more animosity between Jesus' followers and other Jewish groups who reject him and say he's not the Messiah. And and they get rejected in turn by Jesus' followers. So it's a terrible story. But I realize that that this these old folk tales of Satan were lethal and dangerous. And, you know, we don't need to rehearse the terrible history in Western Europe, uh, particularly, of the destruction of so many lives because of this kind of very false narrative. Now, for our wonderful Christian listeners, I, I want to be clear that uh, this is not to in, intended to criticize the beautiful aspects of the messages that are attributed to Jesus around love and acceptance and, and, and of course, the Jewish concept of treating others as you, as you would be treated. It's this institutionalization of hate specifically that we're talking about uh, that, that is so troublesome. And this doesn't stop with with the Jews, does it? I mean, we, one of the most impactful parts of your book, I thought, was when you describe uh, the, the Christian philosopher Justin, Justin Martyr, I think, uh, I don't know, 140 in the Common Era or something of, of, uh, in that place, where now you see this demonization, and we really are using this term demonization in its, in its most literal form. It's ascribing anybody that doesn't think like you do as being uh, allied with Satan. This demonization now extends to anybody who's pagan, which basically means anybody who's following like the Roman, Roman pantheon or the Greek pantheon or whatever. So is it, is it fair to say, and I, I'm summarizing it, so help us understand what's going on here. Is, has demonization now become a critical aspect of Christianity? It certainly is. And as you said, Dove, it is not about Jesus of Nazareth. He was not implicated in any of that. This is after hostile groups of, his, of opponents to his movement and proponents of it, um, when the stakes were very high, that these elements came into it. I was talking once to Toni Morrison, who was a colleague here, and she's, she was raised Catholic, and she said, but Elaine, isn't Christianity all about love? And I said, well, at its best it is, but it has an undercurrent of hate. And as you said, uh, Christians later, say missionaries in the last few centuries, speak about Native Americans as followers of Satan because they worshipped their own gods. Uh, they certainly speak of of Muslims that way and and of Buddhists and any other people who aren't Christian. And it, it becomes, as you said, a kind of global demonization. We're going to need to take our last break in a moment, then we're going to get some, some really great listener comments and questions. But um, speak to us a little bit about uh, this figure, Justin, who, who is Justin Martyr, who figures prominently in your book, The Origin of Satan. And I was fascinated to, 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 to learn in that respect that the, the word demon, um, it really, as I understand, is, is around, it comes from daimonis, right? That this Greek, it wasn't evil at all. It were these, um, spirit energies in the Greek pantheon. So now that Christianity's demonization uh, initiative is turned by the second century, you know, a little bit from Jews to pagans, how does Justin and his philosophy shape the future centuries? Well, just as you say, the word daimon means spirit being. I mean, Socrates said he had a spirit being who was his conscience. But the word daimon, spirit being, in Christian language became evil, evil spirits. And 
and so people like Justin, who was raised worshipping the gods of Greece and Rome, say that um, he then saw everybody who worshipped the gods, as you say, of Rome, of Greece, of any other people whatsoever, as following demons. And that's still the case. I mean, that's been missionary language throughout the world. This is not the best side of Christianity, I could say. But it's a very deep side, and it's been very, uh, what shall we say, very consequential. And I was dumbfounded to realize how deep it goes, and very distressed. It's nothing I wanted to find, but there it was. And that's where the facts led you. We'll be back with Professor Elaine Pagels, a world-renowned biblical scholar, author of the Gnostic Gospels, author of as it pertains to tonight's show, The Origin of Satan, How Christians Demonize Jews, Pagans, and Heretics. You can find this on Amazon. It's a fascinating read. We'll be right back. Equal Footing is brought to you in part by a company that shares our belief that you should talk about everything, and that's where you kind of break through barriers and get to the other side. In this case, it's about a very difficult subject, erectile dysfunction. Manhattan Medical is a place you can go to talk about, address, and solve this very physically difficult and emotionally painful subject. Manhattan Medical utilizes a new effective therapy for erectile dysfunction. It's actually not so new. Uh, it's new to the United States. It's been around in Europe and Canada for some time. It's called Gaines Wave Therapy. It helps a vast majority of patients achieve excellent and enduring results for erectile dysfunction. It does not involve expensive blue pills. Those blue pills are not available to everybody because of comorbidities and side effects. Manhattan Medical's treatment of erectile dysfunction, gains wave therapy, is non-invasive, it's surgery-free, and it's painless. Again, no side effects, and for most patients, wonderful and enduring results. Call Manhattan Medical about their ED Cure. The number is 888-ED-CURE-9. That's 888 888- EDQR9 or in numbers 888-332-8739. If you mention that you heard about Manhattan Medical's Gaines Wave Therapy for Erectile Dysfunction on equal footing, you will get a free consultation. That's a $250 value, but you have to mention that you heard about it on equal footing. Call now address this issue. There is no shame in it. It affects about two-thirds of men in their lifetime. 888 888- Three three two eight seven three nine Manhattan Medical's ED Cure uh, Remedy eight 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 three three two eight seven three nine. I've been caught. All right, we're back with Professor Elaine Pagels. We're talking about the origin of the Satan concept. You know, we talked about at the outset of the show, Professor, Hasatan in Hebrew, the adversary, the opposer, was a minion of God. One of God's angels actually often uh, brought to uh, instruct, uh, uh, put an obstacle in our path that might ultimately help us from not going down a path that could hurt us worse. In the book of Job, that adversary role... Um, ultimately brings the the protagonist closer to God, although through a very thorny and painful road. But this adversary figure, which was not necessarily evil, becomes later, particularly under the auspices of Christian theology, uh, incarnate evil and is associated with anybody who doesn't think like us. And we're going to get to what that means in the current day here in our last segment. But quickly, Professor Pagels, you start with demonization by the early Christians of the Jews, then to anybody that believes uh, in anything other than the Christian God, the pagans, the Romans, the Greeks, and so, so forth for, for centuries, Middle Ages. And this demonization of the other is also used as justification to burn heretics at the stake, right? I mean, it's core to the idea of the Inquisition. That's very important, Dov. It isn't just about Jews and worshippers of, you know, the the ancient gods. But when 
when the Christian community, which called itself universal, that's what Catholic means, the earliest church in the 4th century CE, when that was divided into Catholics and protesters, which is what Protestants means, um, when those, those communities divided, uh, as you say, Catholics burned and blamed Protestants, Protestants burned and killed Catholics. I mean, the religious wars of the 16th century are Christian against Christian because, you know, those on both sides are convinced that they're right and they have the only truth, and they could use the same language against each other. And we've seen that in our politics. We've seen it in our, you know, the life of this country, uh, how groups don't even look at each other like opponents in an election, but as people who are evil. Um, and it's it's a very destructive way of thinking if you're living in a community in which you want to see uh, some united values uh, in human beings and in this country. Yeah, it's, it's this concept of the other that, uh, you know, Hannah Arendt or Simone de Beauvoir, like uh, 20th century philosophers have talked about how without that demonization of the other, we can't, we, we can't have had the Holocaust, for example. We, we must demonize and dehumanize our enemies to arrive at that level of evil. That's right. And, and Muslims also do this. Uh, it, it, this figure of Satan becomes quite dominant in both Christian and Muslim culture whenever people are seeing divisions. Um, unfortunately, not all Christians do that. Many don't, many disavow that kind of practice altogether. But it's all too pervasive, as we all know. Professor, we've had a couple of listeners ask us about the about Satan as the tempter, uh, and we didn't really address that aspect of Satan in Christian theology. But one listener is, is, says, um, "I'm a Buddhist. In our tradition, the equivalent to Satan is I hope I'm pronouncing this right is Mara. Mara is the demon that tempts Buddha away from his path of enlightenment. Is there an equivalent in Christian theology?" Oh, yeah. Actually, I teach a course at Princeton called Jesus and Buddha with a colleague whose specialty is 11th century Buddhism. And and just as Mara is seen as a, it could be an internal temptation. It could be something internal to someone that's leading them on the wrong path. So many Christians have seen within themselves impulses that they identify as evil uh, and with Satan, an impulse to harm, impulse to hate, impulse to kill. Um, I think Satan's most appropriate name is, is Mastema. It means hatred, right? Right. And, and this is the temptation to hate is perhaps the worst of all. I think that that conception of Satan, and I may get in a little bit of trouble here theologically, but to me, that feels like a, almost like a healthy conception where you start to get into the battle within us, uh, with our own devils, with our own demons. Uh, but really, it's that externalization of Satan, the assignment of a whole other people, another faith, another ethnicity, another nationality, another culture, to being in the cahoots with or under the influence of Satan is where we get into real trouble as, as a society. I have another question here from, uh, from uh, a, a listener. This relates to where you just left off in terms of uh, where we are today in the demonization of the other. Um, this listener writes, for, fundament, for fundamentalists or even conservative religionists, being quote-unquote liberal is now often equated to being quote-unquote evil or, or in cahoots with the devil. How troubling do you think that is for American democracy today? I think it's very troubling. I was actually called on January 6th um, by Jeff Goldberg, who is the editor of the Atlantic magazine, and he told me he was walking with protesters going toward the Capitol, walking with people from QAnon. I don't know much about that group. I don't want to know, but they use this kind of language a great deal. He said, Elaine, they're talking about about 
you know, evil and Satan and Satan's tra- taking over this country. And he said, it's a terrible thing. It sounds just like a throwback. And it and, and probably it is. Unfortunately, it can be also be very effective. Professor, are you, are you there? It seems we may have lost you. No, that's fine. Can you hear me? Yes, now we can. Yeah, I, I, I was saying it can be very effective, um, this kind of blanket um, opposition, and it's very unfortunate. Yeah, I think that your book, while talking about the origin of Satan, while talking about events uh, 2,000 years ago for a good portion of the book, it feels very contemporary, uh, this this desire or almost a need in uh, what should be an, a debate about ideas becoming what you call a cosmological debate. As soon as you disagree with someone, if you kind of can't win in the battle of ideas or you can't at least convince the other of your ideas, then this default that really has come to some degree, unfortunately, from, from aspects of, of, of Christian uh, faith or, or, or Christianity, of demonizing the other, of ascribing a cosmological evil uh, to the other is very, to that listener's comment, um, you know, apropos uh, to, to the moment. There's a, there's a listener, this is going to be a tough question because we only have just a couple minutes left. So there's a listener that asks you to comment on uh, the book of Enoch and uh, how really in within Judaism there is uh, more of a narrative around the devil or around Satan than we seem to have admitted on this show. Can, can you comment on that? That's a very good point. Um, in the book of Enoch, that's in the time, uh, in the time when you see Satan becoming uh, a figure that was well known among various groups. So absolutely right, it's in the book of Jubilees. Um, it's very much the, the idea of the prince of darkness and the evil one is, as I said, it's very much part of the uh, literature as well. So it's, it's part of Jewish literature in that period. And even in the Genesis Rabbah, uh, later rabbis adopt the figure of the Satan sometimes in rather similar ways. Now, for listeners who may not be aware, because when you say Book of Enoch, the Book of Jubilees, I say I didn't, I didn't uh, cover those in Yeshiva. What are these books? Where do they come from? They're called intertestamental because they postdate the texts that are now in the Hebrew Bible. They're maybe about two thousand years old, and they're shared. I mean, the, the, the followers of Jesus, after all, were not Christians. Um, they were. It's debatable among scholars to when you start calling them something besides members of the Jewish community. Um, so, well, it's about 2,000 years ago that you find these divisions take shape. Uh, but that literature, Jubilee, uh, is part of is part of the. We'll need, to, we'll need to cover the Dead Sea Scrolls and those those books in another show. It's fascinating. I wanted to, to, to close in a, a quote by the English writer Alan Moore that, that I think to some degree summarizes one of the messages in your book. He said, to some degree, Satanism is purely a kind of disease of Christianity. You've got to really be Christian to believe in Satan. And um, the, 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 the point here, again, is not to criticize those uh, messages of love and acceptance that are at the core of Christian faith, but to also at the same time understand that there is a strain of, of the demonization of, of the other. And uh, and I, I highly recommend your book, The Origin of Satan, how Christians demonize Jews, pagans, and heretics on this uh, subject. Uh, now, Professor Pagos, I just I can't help but ask, if you don't mind, what is your own relation to the teachings of, of uh, the figure we know we know as Jesus. Are you are you a person of of faith? Have you, you know spending your life dedicated to the academic um, kind of uh, the, the the analysis from from an academic and anthropological perspective? Professor Pagels, did you decide to put it on mute for that last question? All right. Well, we may have lost Professor Elaine Pagels. Uh, we'll have to cover that. That'll be uh, the sign that we need to have her on the show again. I'm uh, deeply grateful, one of the greatest biblical scholars of our time. Uh, have a wonderful holiday season, which catch you next week back on Equal Footing.